Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Taku, hosted by the ladies of Anime Trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I'm joined by. Hello, I am Isabel, and. Hello, hello. It's me, Jack. Happy Pride. Yep, so Jack is back again, though funnily enough, this was not planned at all in regards to our topic today. Uh, but also, additionally, on top of that, uh, you know, there the majority of us were feeling under the weather last week, so I'm glad to hear it. All of us are back and feeling much more above the weather than <laughs> the, uh, the week we had to skip, unfortunately. But... In a funny twist of fate, uh, in a way that is purely coincidental, not at all planned, this week's topic is going to be about LGBTQIA plus characters in anime that we've seen that made a huge impact on us in regards to their effect on the story and, you know, just their overall character itself, which coincided with Pride Month happening right now. And all I can say is that this was a happy accident because once again, this actually was not planned. It was just, that was in our list right at this time period. So I'm not complaining. Queers will find a way. Yes, (laughs) you guys always find a way, huh? So... So this week, Agnes is supposed to kick us off, but as you all can hear, Agnes is not here. She has abandoned us to go to Europe again. So, um, she, she's, so man, she's instead, having shenanigans with that orange marmalade. It's getting her in a lot of trouble. It is, indeed, it is. <laughs> but with that being said, since Agnes is not here and Jack is here to once again step in as our token non-girl for the girl Taku, he will be kicking us off today. Ooh. So, Jack. Which are two anime characters, or even two pairs, you know, if you if you think of it more as a ship, you know? What are two anime characters or two pairs that you have seen that are part of the Pride community that have really stood out to you in regards to their representation mm-hmm. and their effect on the story and the way that they're overall written? Yeah, for sure. I mean, both of them, the anime that I picked out are absolutely anime that are older, but I'm still going to, like be impressed by how they handled it for the anime um this one's both of these will be really obvious and very popular but the first one that i'm gonna pick is oran high school host club and Mm -hmm. surprising nobody um that's one of the anime that i grew up with it's one of the anime that i first watched and i think everyone can relate to i don't know i hope everyone can relate to that being like one of the very first series you've watched and like how it made an impact on you and obviously, the main one that I would want to talk about is Haruhi, because she's obviously a character who really doesn't care about gender norms, whether or not that you consider her gender queer or, you know, part of the queer community at all. I don't, you know, it's your own opinion. That's cool. But I also don't think that that really matters, whether or not that's like a quote unquote canon thing. It's just the fact that, you know, she as a character does not care about gender norms doesn't care about gender labels and i think that that's a really powerful thing especially you know in a japanese society where gender norms are really important and in you know the host club is a very very silly anime where boys are just doing things for girls so taking haruhi and making her a very strong you know woman or gender queer character however you want to take it and turning her into basically a very powerful princely type character, which everyone who hears me on this podcast knows I really like the princely type characters. Um, And turning her into that, where she doesn't mind, you know, 
doing very nice and sometimes romantic things for women while posing as a boy, but also being very confident in whatever she is, I always looked at that as a really cool and really powerful way to write a character. Um, and I've, when did Oron come out? What is that, like 2000? what six i don't remember oh right? like very it's, yeah it's, i was young it, yeah <laughs> like i i watched it and i watched the english dub so you know props to caitlin glass if you guys remember who that is she's she still does dubs i don't know why i said it like that but props to caitlin glass wow who, you got it right 2006 wow well well you know what that's amazing um and you know 2006 is obviously long before i was an egg or be or came out and like even though i didn't know anything about the queer community i didn't know anything about you know, I didn't I didn't know what a gay person was in 2006. Um, I say that like I'm Southern, but I'm from California. Um, I, I don't I don't know anything about that stuff as a kid. Right. So watching someone like how do he in English so that, you know, the English is the um, meanings aren't exactly perfect in this situation. But like just seeing her be such a confident person in who she is, no matter what she is. And seeing that she doesn't feel compelled to label anything or herself was really cool because it's like, you don't see media that does that. You definitely don't see kind of younger or kids media do that back in, you know, those days. I think it's really cool that there's a lot of um, like kids media and kids cartoons that really try to touch upon this stuff. Um, but like, she's just such a headstrong character and such a fun individual who stands up for herself and stands up for you know who she is whenever people like either question it or just or 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 are as simply as confused by it that she's just like well this is just me i think that's fun and she just kind of acts like that like this is just me and i think it's cool um and i think what's also important is kind of like the host club's reaction to this where a lot of the time tamaki is just like yeah but i want you to be like my tiny daughter but also you know it's cool um, and then like the rest of the host club is like, yeah, you're cool as what you are. Um, and I think that that's just, I don't know. It's a very important angle, I guess, to look at an anime character, especially, you know, the main character, like she's not a side character at all. She is literally the main character of this story. And, you know, it comes off as weird reverse harem and debauchery, but it's like debauchery. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it's an important line in the English dub. Very important line. Um, but it comes off as all of those things, but it, like at the end of the day, it becomes a very wholesome take, I guess, on this character who just does not give a care in the world about the opinions of other people. Um, and you know, like that's and that, that actually brings me to the related character of this, where obviously um, her father is a very important figure in her life, who is canonically bisexual and also a crossdresser. So. His influence is just as important as, you know, how do he existing the way that she is and being comfortable in her own body and like her own self. And, you know, him being a character who also also confidently is a crossdresser and like stays in that persona and stays in that kind of like mental state without being apologetic at all about it um, and kind of like leaning into it whenever he meets all of the other guys in the host club. Like, I think that that's a really well-designed relationship because it also, it one, shows you family members who are very comfortable with each other, especially when it comes to sensitive topics like this. Like, again, there's no direct conversation that this is a queer conversation or any of that, but it's like, it kind of feels the same way. 
where it's almost like a not even a coming out thing but it's just kind of like a a nod toward this is what these characters are going through and it's cool because the parent actually kind of gets what she's going through too and i well i don't know even even some some anime or some media that directly talks about queer things whether it's gender or sexuality it's like they don't actually necessarily tackle it the same way that Oran High School Host Club did because those were like very real conversations that the the dad I think Ranka I forgot what his name is for the uh right? yes Ranka's yeah. his name um like the very real conversations that he can have with his kid whether that's about these weirdo host club boys or whether that's about you know their the mother passing away or like anything about how she's feeling about herself or or uh, the school like i just think you know that anime just has such a good everything about it i love that anime like i i don't know i don't know like the i always want this to have like a remake i think that this is an anime that would have such a cool remake but i'm also worried that it would lose the magic of the simplicity of not labeling anything because it would be made in 2020 something. Mm, okay. Right? Because I, th- I think that a writer might feel almost pressured or compelled to write that in. And I'm like, I think the magic of it is that it's not written in and it's not like designed so deliberately as this is a queer character. Like it's just, that's always the thing that I always hark on. I'm like, she's just a character and she comes off this way and it's not necessarily canon, but it's very clearly built into herself like she she just is that way um and i i always worry i'm like if you make a remake of oran i don't know if you would capture everything that haruhi is if you try to put the like most recent modern lens on it i think that's my only concern but nonetheless i love oran i love the i don't know i just love it (laughs) i love the series and haruhi did a lot in making me really love anime i think so i have Two notes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, I guess one note, one question. So my first note is uh, Bisco Hattori, who is the sensei, the writer for Oran High right, School Host right. Club. She came to Anime Expo and I got to sit in on her panel front seat and wow, uh, so got fancy. to hear her up close. Yeah, it was really it was really great. And there was actually a section where the AX uh, moderator actually asked her about like her feelings and her you know, her opinions on the Pride community, namely how her work has become such an icon for the Pride community. And she hesitated, not because, Mm -hmm. like, she didn't want to be associated with it, but there was a hesitation of fear of how, like, of how people in that room, so many people, you know, looking up at her like that would react. And the moderator quickly reassured her. She was like, she was like, oh, like, trust me, we we are okay. <laughs> you know, this is like, like the pride community here is, is like, it's fine. They're just people. That's all there is to it. And then she immediately relaxed inside, like in this relief. And she talked very extensively about the fact that, you know, she very much supports the community and that unfortunately there is an inherent fear about being associated with it in Japan. But she thought it was important uh, when she wrote these stories because she basically was saying love is love. And these are people who have people they love and and that's all there is to it. And there's nothing wrong with that fact. And so for her, she is quite honored at the fact that her anime has become such an icon for the pride community in the U.S. So that was one thing it reminded me of. No, I I think that's so very awesome, especially when 
you do know that there are those societal differences and you do see, you know, the queer coding of characters or hope that it's queer coding. So it's really cool whenever an author can come out. And I didn't mean that with the pun, but I, I said it anyway and I immediately regret it. But anyway, <laughs> when an author can speak like that and like explain that, hey, what you're thinking is kind of in line with what I'm thinking, or at least like you can um, see them the way that you want to see them. And that's cool. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> like, awesome. That's cool. <laughs> So my second question yes. is more to you, Jack, rather than about Oran High School oh, Host okay. Club. So um, I hope you don't mind, but it just made me think of it, which is the fact that you said that part of the reason why Oran High School Host Club was so magical, as well as the fact that, you know, mm. it's um, what you're scared about in like getting the remake is that they would lean in hard versus how casual and it's like totally accepting and normal the way that Haruhi is written and the way that the dialogue is written in regards to Ranga cross-dressing bisexual uh and um and then on top of that Haruhi being very you know fluid and just doesn't care about gender whatsoever unfortunately I can't say the f word so but I know that's the phrase you like to use with her yeah um, I know. but I said gender queer earlier and I was like I really want to use the other word yeah <laughs> I actually think the other word works better but you know um for sake of language and the most um, perfect rating, word for so. any of our queer labels and i'm just like ah okay that being said there are people i've seen in the pride community who don't like it when it's just sort of like casual staying there like for you to interpret they like it more explicit and leaned in and i guess i wanted to hear your thoughts about the fact of like you know do you think there are some people who would benefit or would like it better if it leaned in harder versus you know what it was in the og which is very much not leaning in as hard as possible but making it clear enough for you to interpret yeah and i mean my, obviously like you just said my opinion is we should just make it normal <laughs> like i think that that's a big issue with media and representation of characters where if you highlight it too much, it makes them seem like they're just a token person. Like the only label that matters about this character is the fact that they're queer. And this also kind of applies to any minority. I don't want to obviously oversimplify, but you can also kind of replace, you know, queer with here's a like racial minority. This is a character who's like that. Or here's our this character. And then rather than, hey, look, this is a pretty realistic character or at least a kind of realistic representation of a character you're instead kind of harking on the fact that it's like hey this is our gay character is there anything else about them no they're just they're the gay character and i'm like okay that's nice thank you um so obviously that's the most extreme example of just pure tokenism but for me the the part that i get the most annoyed about is i'm i'm not walking up to people and I'm and like shaking their hand and being like hi I'm Jack I'm trans nice to meet you <laughs> like there, there is a level of that in media where if you like overly focus on the fact that somebody is a queer character or racial minority or anything that is quote unquote rare rare is not the right word but like you get the feeling um, that is just like it's just weird because I'm like, well, okay, now that's all I can think about, that you're this character because you've said it or, like, because you've kind of made it your thing. Like, um, 
yeah, no, that's just, I think that's just like the most annoying thing for me. Like, I've, I've told this to Gracie, and I'm sorry because this is slightly not anime related, but there's a character in Project Sekai, and yes, I'm going to go on this rant. Uh, there's a Project Sekai character named Mizuki Akiyama, and I'm going to use they, them. I think I'm probably going to make like half, half of Twitter, Project Sekai Twitter mad by doing that. But this is a character who is genderqueer, and it's very, very, very obvious if you know anything about I don't know, gender dysphoria. <laughs> that this character struggles with gender dysphoria in some sort of way, but like, it's all implied. But it's very clearly, obviously, tr- like, canon. Like, it, it must be. There is no way you can interpret this differently. But there are still a lot of people on the internet who are like, there's no way that character's trans or non-binary. They never said it. And I'm like, what? they didn't say it explicitly, but like, this character has a secret this character gets very uncomfortable when people call them a weirdo for dressing up in dresses and like they had they you know they skip school because they're scared of being perceived as a weirdo like there's all of these signs that i'm like this is pretty clearly a uh you know gender dysphoria character that they've designed here and i'm like i get it personally because i understand how they feel but then it, it, it again it's kind of just like that thing where i guess it's almost like you're straight until proven otherwise type of thing where I'm just like, I, I don't want the norm to be straight until proven otherwise. I want it to be like, like real life, or at least how I try to live in real life where I'm like, I just exist as I am. And if it comes up that I'm queer in some way, then we'll talk about it. And that's cool. But I'm just like, I don't like, I hate that that's the default. And I'm, we had this whole rant about the, the like the queer coding episode. And I think I just went on a mini version of that rant, but like, it's, it's like that where I'm just like, ah, I, I hate that. Uh, <laughs> and like if you have any other comments um feel free to jump in but this actually perfectly goes into the second character i was gonna do okay so what is it yeah uh well it's perfect because um so sailor moon we all know sailor moon and my favorite okay. character is um haruka or uh sailor <coughs> uranus not the other one um so that character everyone knows her mostly as you know, the other character to Michiru or, um, oh my god, I forgot what her, like, I, I just brain farted on what thingy, what planet she is. But um, these two characters, they're just like, oh, look, it's, it's the two Sailor Moon lesbians. And I'm like, you're correct, but also an important sort of oversight, not oversight, but kind of the other thing that people don't really pay attention to with Haruka is um, that she's also sort of genderqueer. Like, one of the things that the... Um, I, I don't necessarily like how it was written, but it is important the way that it was written, where I think it's I think it's translated as um, she has like the soul and spirit of both a man and a woman is like how Michiru describes um, Haruka's identity and existence. And that always resonated with me because I'm just like, that's a really interesting way to put it, um, because this character, you know, if you've seen Sailor Moon and if you've simped in Sailor Moon like I did when I was younger and I still really love Haruka to be clear um she's at first introduced as a young man who you know goes to the same high school as Michiru and they just completely act all like super romantic and really cute and adorable and I love them and ship them so hard but like they're just kind of introduced as this very normal straight couple but then they also don't really they don't really act like <laughs> They don't um, they don't ever like say that they're a couple or anything when like they're introduced and then like everyone simps really hard for Haruka 
and then mm-hmm. it turns out, oh no, she has a girlfriend, or I guess he has a girlfriend actually. He has, yeah, yeah, he has a girlfriend actually, <laughs> and then um, uh, I, I'm so sad that I keep forgetting their names. I'm so sorry. I'm not. I'm truly not a, a Sailor Moon fan. Uh, but Sailor Moon and, and Venus are just like. I'm sorry, I forgot their names. I feel so bad. Uh, they're just like stalking her and just getting really crazy over it. Um, and even, I don't know, just all of that is so adorable. And then after, you know, they both realize that she's a girl, they're just like, oh, you're a girl? And they're like, oh, huh. That's all? Like, it's not even a I'm over it type of thing. I think Venus actually says that she's over it. I don't actually remember. I'm sorry. Someone's going to get mad at me for saying that. Um, But, like, it's just the most normal situation where they're just like, oh, so, you know, Sailor Uranus is a girl. Huh. That's cool. And then she freaking kisses Usagi. There's her name. She kisses Usagi at some point, which is just the most hilarious thing to me ever. Because I'm like, oh, good. Now Sailor Moon's bisexual. We can call it that way now. Um, <laughs> but, like, that, that, all of that tangent, basically, to say, um, I really liked Haruka because of that design of, you know, she, I guess she, she kind of cross, she kind of does cross dress in, as a, as a man in her sort of day to day life. Um, but she's also just this really badass sailor scout and is very cool and has a girlfriend. Um, and I think that, kind of describing it more as she's got the soul of both a man and a woman or however you'd like to interpret that line kind of fits with how I'm how I want it to be where it's like that we're not putting a direct label of you know she's genderqueer or she is gender fluid or whatever you wish but kind of just describing it in what is presumably the correct way for her or and then not being boxed in by words making you feel like you have to be a certain way or that you have to fit certain like I, I don't know it's like these labels aren't checklists and it's really annoying to me when people are like well but they're not like this this and that so they can't be called you know this label and I'm like well I hate that because I'm like labels are supposed to be for making you feel better and simplifying how you feel about yourself not for necessarily how you present toward somebody else or like if somebody else has a problem with it, then that's their problem. So that's kind of the very long winded way to go back to your whole question about, but do you want it to be an explicit canon thing? And I think if you can make it an explicit canon thing without kind of hitting me over the head with it, Mm. like maybe like if you want to show that a character is gay, you don't tell them, you don't say that they're gay, just like, have them but this is the problem too like if you blush if the blushing thing isn't enough people will be like it's just normal blushing it's not romantic blushing okay then yeah see some, i think that's see. that's that is the other yeah. side of the coin where they're like if we don't make it explicit then people are just gonna be like right. oh they're just friends then, you know okay. or something but, like yeah, that then it's like okay then make them kiss on screen but don't say that they're yeah like it, it, it's it's something right like there it has to be something like that where i'm just like Okay, then have them kiss or say I love you at each other in a very romantic and very clearly clearly romantic and not platonic way at all. That's the Eichstätter, yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, but, but that's what I'm saying. I'm just like, if, if you can and if they can be in a relationship or something or if it's like supposed to be like that, then I'm like, have them do the, you know, it's, it's show, don't tell, right? Like, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. the writing style. It's the, I guess, like cartoon animation or like media style of show, don't tell 
um, where I'm just like make it very very obvious that nobody will be able to deny you but like don't just tell me that they are prove it to me that they are without like just saying it because it feels a little weak when you just when somebody just says it or like it feels a little more unrealistic when somebody just kind of says it I don't know there's there's so much nuance to it and we eh, I'm taking up too much time just move on (laughs) move on All right. Well, I mean, it's kind of a good segue because I noticed you picked uh, you picked characters from very classic anime. Right, I, right. I, I would say Oran High School Host Club is a classic now because it's been more than 20 it years is. or it's getting very close you, to you, 20 years. Your math years. way wrong, but yeah. It's close to 20 years. 2006. It's close to 20 years. Close yeah, to- yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, so I, I guess the manga. A- anyway, go ahead. The manga is definitely older, yes. <laughs> but I also picked a couple from a classic anime and it's from Cardcaptor Sakura and I picked Toya and Yukido and Mm -hmm. I picked those two namely for or actually for a lot of reasons one um they did the whole thing where they never explicitly like you know what you were saying about hitting you on the uh hitting you on the head with the bat sort of situation it's like oh they're gay they're gay or something like that but it was so clear that there is something going on between them that the American uh, network that was airing Cardcaptor Sakura at the time literally just cut off entire scenes between the two because it was just that obvious that the two of them were in love. And so because of that... At least they didn't make them cousins. (laughs) No, they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. But because of that... The, because of that, a lot of American watchers who grew up with Hardcaptor Sakura, me included, wouldn't find out until years later when we had access to the Japanese version that we were like, wait a minute, these scenes are together, weren't in there when we watched it. Wait a minute, these two are together. <laughs> like, it's so obvious. And so, I, well, first of all, shame on the American network for legitimately just cutting the scene in its entirety. But... I do think it's worth noting that Clamp's development of the love between these two characters are so powerfully impactful that oh, that's redundant. I'm sorry, Jack. <laughs> Don't kill me on that. No, but fine. Uh, fine. <laughs> but basically, it's so impactful that they ended up making the two characters a couple no matter what universe they show up in. So if you guys thought Marvel started the multiverse, they absolutely did not. Clamp has a very extensive universe where there's basically multiple universes of similar slash actually same characters living different lives and living different worlds. And uh, and and it does not matter which world Toya and Yukito show up in. They are together. They are a couple. And Clamp themselves have basically said that after writing Card Capture, they realized that the two of them were ultimate soulmates and that nothing was going to tear them apart, even a different universe with different laws and characters and plot as a whole. And so, yeah, I thought that is really, really incredible. And I, I, you know, having watched the Japanese version now where instead of like the U.S. just cutting and snipping entire episodes of it i 
I can see, like, you know, it's a really lovely couple that was developed very sincerely and very softly in a way. Like, it's so emotionally intimate that sometimes me just watching them talk to each other, I'm like, I shouldn't be here, you know? <laughs> because, oh my God. because they're just sharing soft moments beside each other. And it can be something as cute as, so uh, Yukito is the one that eats a lot, despite the fact that Toya is the big one, um, the very athletic one. And so... Yukito, like, after he eats a lot, sometimes Toya would just, like, pull his cheeks because he can't help it because it's like he saw his cheeks so full with food. And I'm just like, oh, stop it. You two go flirt somewhere else, you know? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so I think it's also really impressive in the era that it was written. Mm -hmm. I mean, Clamp did lead the way in a lot of ways of writing gay couples and representation. I do have more issues with their straight couples, ironically, because they have definitely done straight couples with problematic elements, such as pairing a really young student with their teacher. I like do not think that's okay. And they often do couplings of students with teachers. So ironically, it's their straight couples that I tend to have uh, tend to have issue with, but they have had several other gay couples written in their stories. And they are all extremely well-written and completely missing the problematic elements that ironically plagues the actual like gay genre. They're able to avoid that. I write very sincere, loving relationships and it's their straight couples. I'm just like, you guys got to fix this. (laughs) Uh, So that's my first pick. And I think it was just such a big deal that the, despite never kissing each other, despite never explicitly saying that they love each other, um, the American Network were like, this is too gay, and they had to cut the scenes. So uh, obviously that's not the case anymore, but it really just shows you how uh, how good of a job they did without having to hit you on the head over and over again about that representation. So that is my first pick. So my second pick is definitely from a more modern anime. So I don't think you two have watched it, but please let me know if, well, I I know Jack hadn't watched this one, but let me know, Isabel, if you have. It's Shoko Tanimoto from The Case Files of Jeweler Richard. Nope. Oh, no, yeah. I only gave, like, that show maybe, like, two episodes, so I I did not get to that. I don't watch anime, so obviously I didn't watch this. (laughs) Yeah, no, not a lot of people know about that show. So basically, I think it was just Agnes who watched it. Only only you two have watched it ever in the entire world. (laughs) No, but like (laughs) anime trendy at least. (laughs) So Shoko Tanimoto was a very big shock for me. She is a a classmate of the main character, his name is Seiki, who... um, who goes to the same class, college classes as him, or some of the same college classes as him. And they quickly hit it off, and they became friends. And it became pretty obvious that Seiki has a crush on her. So I thought, oh, this is the straight solution to the story, because Seiki is working for this really handsome European guy named Richard. And there's obvi- they're obviously getting really close and like intimate with each other, but then there's Shoko, the girl who's always there, that he like blushes around and stuff like that which you know having watched enough anime i'm i'm like used to seeing the quote-unquote straight solution to these uh to these situations however the author threw a curveball at me and in which i applaud the author for doing that so he segi later finds out that shoko is going on a date with this other guy 
and he gets, you know, he kind of feels like he missed his chance and he was dumb to have hesitated and waited to ask her out and stuff like that. And Richard was even like, you know, go ahead and, you know, confess your feelings and, you know, figure yourself out with her and everything. And then later he, uh, the guy that Shoko was having a date with, he uh, he was very nice to Segi because actually he used to be one of the clients for Richard when uh, while Segi was working and he recognized Segi and he explained that, you know, there's nothing going on between him and Shoko even though he tried and they went on a date and stuff. And so Segi was going to talk to her about like his feelings or, or stuff, but then he noticed that she looked a little down or conflicted and so he asked her what happened. And she revealed that she is essentially either asexual or aromantic, or even both, potentially. Because the thing is, she had grown up never developing a crush on anyone, girl or guy. And she always thought that maybe it was just her being rebellious because the other girls are into guys, so she didn't want to be into guys and stuff like that. She thought it was something that she could quote unquote grow out of. But then even as she continues into college, she realizes that she just does not have an interest in people in that way. And so that's not to say that she's incapable of loving. She did say that, you know, she loves her parents and her friends that, you know, she also loves them platonically as well. But She went on this date with this guy because she was she's never gone on a date and she really wanted to see and try if, you know, it's possible for her to develop romantic feelings or sexual attraction towards a guy. And certainly the guy was drawn to be a handsome man that she went on a date with. But after that date, she said that she has come to the conclusion that she's probably never going to be able to love anyone romantically. That The most um, capable of her love is going to be in a platonic or a familial way. And she says she's going to have to learn to accept that and sort of have to learn to move forward with that fact because she very desperately tried to be more quote-unquote normal in the fact that she, you know, wanted to be the one in the relationship and, do the stuff that women are expected to do. And Segi, after hearing that from her, immediately backed off on confessing to her and immediately, you know, went to reassure her about the fact that, you know, who who defines normal? You know, like society, is it culture? Is it the entire world, you know? Which is actually another thing that another anime pointed out uh, that was really well done. But I'm not talking about that anime this time. Uh, but basically he told her, you know, like, you know, no one really defines what normal is except for yourself. So if that is your normal, then you are normal and that's how you are. And he he really leaned into, you know, being that friend, that supportive friend that she can platonically love and not in a romantic way. And she really appreciated that. And the two of them just continued being really close friends. And Seiki from that as well moved on from the fact that, you know, he did feel something from her because he realized that there just wasn't a point anymore because she there wasn't a chance and he shouldn't try to push that on her because she's already made clear about who she is and what she is. And so then, so the straight solution ended up not being a straight solution at all. <laughs> straight solution. <laughs> Well, I'm sorry. I just dubbed it that. Can I just keep it that way? No, no, I, I no. Was it's very fine. It's actually it. like a really, it's honestly a pretty perfect um, 
way to put something like that. Like, yay! Like a, I got approval. <laughs> you got a, you got approval from an entire queer. Yay! I no, I I think I think straight solution is a perfectly good way to explain a lot of. It just makes me think of Twelfth Night, but I don't. I'm not going to talk about Shakespeare on this on, on this <laughs> podcast. So we're just going to move on and talk about anime. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I mean, Midsummer's <laughs> Dream is very gay, but yeah, Twelfth Night is too. Like, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do an um, anime uh, girl taku podcast on Shakespeare next week, boys. Uh, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Isabel's like, no. Um, yeah, I'm... no, please. <laughs> do you not like Shakespeare? Do you hate I Shakespeare, Isabel? <laughs> That's okay. I think high school That's made bad. me hate it. I read too much, and I'm like, I don't. No, thank you. <laughs> Isabel's like, I'm just going to leave this call right now if you make me do that. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so anyway, uh, so Shoko ended up not only being not a straight solution to a homoerotic situation between two main protagonists who are men, but at the same time ended up being a very, very surprisingly blatant representation of asexual and a ro- and right. slash or aromantic people i remembered that even though not many people watch this anime i went to a subreddit and lo and behold someone did watch it and they are shocked because they're like i don't think i've ever seen such a clean representation of this character of these types of characters even in western media at that time like this uh, you know and i think honestly even uh, now gosh, probably when, you don't have much yes exactly and so and for them to sort of throw that curveball as a girl who was originally set up to be like oh this is the straight relationship to break off the you know sort of intimacy that's being shared between two guys It really was just such a brilliant twist, and I really loved it. And at that time as well, I myself hadn't discovered my own asexuality yet. So I was just like, oh, wow, like, you know, someone showed that character, and that was very surprising stuff. But I think but as someone who has eventually figured it out herself, like, I am really appreciative of that because it was so clean and simple and it organically fit in as well. And I think it really developed, you know, Seiki's character as well and really showed off Seiki's strengths as a character mm-hmm. because the whole point of why Richard liked Seiki and employed him to be his assistant in his shop is because he noticed that Seiki was really, really kind. And kindness can show up in a lot of ways, you know, but it's just the fact that he so readily just discards his own romantic feelings towards her once he realized, like, this was her truth. And you know, he wasn't going to have a chance with it. It was much more important for him to show support for her as a person than anything else in the world. And I was like, that is, I'm like, I love that. I am very appreciative of him mm-hmm. for that. And then on top of that, we I can continue to ship him with Richard. Ah, <laughs> you know? uh-huh, so- there it is. That's the most, that's the more important part, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, to be fair, to be fair, the anime did. The, well, the anime hadn't gone into like the biggest uh, gay parts, and I know in the light novel series it gets much further in. Um, they only covered like the first arc of the volume, which in that case, it the most that happened was Richard's own like family member who 
had been trying to find him because he had run away to like avoid this whole air like you know air will situation that I'm skipping over but essentially his family member his like brother was just like oh like uh, just automatically assumed the two of them were dating <laughs> and they had good, to like good. clarify to him that they weren't and he was like what you know like the idea that they weren't was just was just like are you sure you two aren't dating and so um, but anyway, the light novels and the um, the light novels leaned in further as the story continued because in one case it was like Seiki imagined Richard getting married to like another person, which was a woman, and he literally burst into tears because he did not want Aww. that to happen. <laughs> and kind of Richard was just, huh? <laughs> That's kind of amazing. Yeah, it was really funny and cute. And Richard at first was like flabbergasted because he was like, where where did this come from? You know, sort of thing. And Seiki was like, I just didn't want to think about you getting married to someone else and stuff. And then <laughs> Richard like sighed and he hugs uh, Seiki and then he kisses him on the forehead. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm like, yeah, you two are together. <laughs> and so- He's just like yelling from the back of the classroom. Gay. <laughs> That's exactly it. Um, I was like, I'm just saying, Richard, you're all, all your brothers are like, oh, you two are a thing. And them being told you two aren't a thing, they're just kind of like, are you sure you two aren't a thing? So, um, anywho, that was my big, uh, my, uh, my second choice because it was just such a good plot twist. I would say it's a plot twist because of the way that she was set up and very much led the audience to be, to be believed to be set up for. And, you know, to uh, talk about this topic in such a genuine but also delicate and careful manner, I just really appreciated that representation. I already featured her in our Pride Month uh, Girl Taku tweets last year. So, but I wanted to talk about it just a little further this time because obviously I can say more than on Twitter, which has a character limit. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm surprised you say under the character limit on Twitter sometimes. It's hard. I uh, <laughs> most of the times I will go over the Twitter, uh, the character limit, and then I would start erasing certain things. Yeah, to keep yeah, it yeah. I believe that. <laughs> but okay, those are my two picks in that case. So Isabel, you are the last person on the roster today. So Isabel, uh, which two couples slash characters have you seen from the Pride community that has really stood out to you in anime? in their incorporation of the story and how they are as characters. Yeah, the first one I have, I might probably mentioned this before, but um, Osana Najimi from Komi Can't Communicate. Oh, yay! Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Najimi is mostly, I would say, kind of genderless or kind of a- ambiguous gender, really, because mm-hmm. uh, they identify as both male and female in a sense. Yep. It's mostly shown in the way that Najimi dresses because uh, they wear a skirt, which is usually, you know, for girls, but then they also wear a tie, which is usually for the guys, so it's hard to tell, you know, what's going on. Um, But, like, Najimi doesn't make it a big issue, um, even though Tadano is like, you were wearing, you know, a male uniform back in middle school. Now that we're in high school, what the hell happened? Um, But Najimi just kind of laughs at all. It's like, whatever, I'm, I'm doing this now, and, you know, in certain episodes, especially I think in the beach episode, Najimi wears like a bathing suit that's usually for females, and then other times he's wearing like a more traditional Japanese uh, that's for guys. So it's very kind of fluid. Like Najimi kind of does both, and even his, I would say, is mostly in their character design, 
especially with the kind of like short hair, but not super, it's not super short, like Tadano, um, and it's not super long, like Homies, for example. But I like Najimi as a character because he are, they really use him as a character who kind of branches Tadano and Komi together. And Najimi is a friend of everyone, really. They'll call you up when, you know, they want you to join in on the fun or just kind of add a lot of things or make summer vacations together. And he's, and I'm going to say he because I feel like he, like, the way that Najimi is portrayed, at least, I think in the Japanese version, is voiced by a female Japanese voice actor, but then in the English dub, is voiced by a male voice actor. And so it's kind of both in that sense as well. I would really oh, like Oh, I see, I Hachi. see what you're saying. Oh, that's a nice <laughs> Yeah, so I'm just confused there, yeah. by both, really, when Go I ahead. listen to both. I think that's what a lot of genderqueer people like doing, confusing people. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All my genderqueer friends out there who are like non-binary in some way, or whatever you like. Let me know if that's true, because I'm pretty sure it's true based on my French. <laughs> yeah, do you, do you think they do it just for fun, too? Just because, you know, they can be both or they they kind of identify as both. And it's kind of fun to see people's yeah, reactions well, I mean, based off of that. I mean, I think I, well, I think it's just that's just how people identify sometimes. Like That's just like mm-hmm. that's just their normal. That's who they are. Um, but in terms of the does the confusion make them laugh? I think there are definitely some people who do it on who not not do you know, not are non-binary on purpose to make people laugh, but use the fact that it makes people uncomfortable to make themselves laugh and like kind of, you know, it's getting into a very murky territory where I'm like, I think a lot of queer people kind of do the self-gay joke um, as a defense mechanism Mm -hmm. or like the self, haha, I'm confusing you and therefore that makes me feel better as kind of a defense mechanism. I, I don't, read read or watch Comey but I should considering that I have the ability to do so at Fizz <laughs> but um, <laughs> doesn't even I don't it's like doesn't even read the series that we work on um, but like, I, I don't want to speak for this character in particular but that's just kind of an interesting tr- not trend but kind of an interesting thing that I think is true I think I think that I think that there are queer people that definitely do that mm. But yeah, otherwise, I think it's also great that the show doesn't make it a focal point, kind of. Yeah. I can see how it goes about kind of trying to define uh, their gender, like, are, are you this or are you that? Um, I've seen in other anime shows where, um, like in Steins Gate, where one of the characters is also kind of ambiguous, um, but then the main character is like, no, but you're, you're a boy, though. Like, they have to, like, say that in mm. themselves to, like kind of define them so it's nice to see that in Komi at least they accept Najimi for who they are and they're more than happy to accept them in, in the group and I feel like Najimi is a super important character because I feel oh, like yeah. if it, if oh, it yeah. was just Tadano and Komi the story wouldn't be going anywhere that much and we would not oh, be are getting... they like a they like a wingman mm-hmm. of sorts wing person of sorts yes absolutely <laughs> that's awesome yes, they, they want these to be a little faster please <laughs> that's basically what they like to do also they like to cause um they like to like find fun activities to get everyone involved so yeah <laughs> that's so cute that's yeah no Najimi is really great i i also like what you pointed out isabel and the fact that and i think you're right because it is true in a lot for other more gender ambiguous slash, you know, non-binary characters in anime. Uh, the other characters are just like, 
they're like, you have to be one or the other, <laughs> you know, like they are very kind of insistent about it. Like, oh, then what are you then? But in Comey Can't Communicate, it literally was just Tadano at first getting caught off guard because he was so used to seeing Najimi, you know, dressed as in boy attire and calling him themselves a he at that time. So it threw him off when they saw like, wait a minute, Najimi, why are you why are you wearing a combination of boys and girls uniform now? But once like he once he realized that Najimi was just like, I am Najimi, Najimi is Najimi, you know, sort of thing, he was just like, okay, and like just moved on from it. And so um I like that. So That's it good. is yeah, no. So everyone's just very accepting and doesn't even question the fact that, yeah, Najimi doesn't really have gender, doesn't really identify themselves with a particular gender. And if anything, they are very like, they respect him or respect them a lot because they are friends with almost everyone in the entire school. So they are the ultimate connections holder. And one time in like one of the in the second season episode, uh, this guy character comes back after like skipping an entire semester. and He comes back like super duper buff and scary looking. Obviously, Najimi is not at all concerned because Najimi is friends with everyone and they immediately, you know, stand up and like say, oh, hey, you know, how are you doing and stuff like that. And the guy like awkwardly tells Najimi to like go outside and like to go out to the classroom. And uh, and then he the guy comes back alone and the entire like classroom was just like, oh, my God, that person killed Najimi. What do we do? <laughs> you know? Jesus. Even though all, all Najimi did was go to the restroom instead of like going back into the classroom. So, um, but yeah, I agree with you, Isabel. I'm really glad you picked Najimi. I think they're great and just their personality is popping and they have an important part in the story, but everyone's just so accepting of them. They just, they just don't care that, you know, Najimi is Najimi and that's all there is to it. So yeah. I love how you just died and took over and you're just like, oh my god, I'm glad you brought that character up. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I got really excited. So. No, it's okay. We all, we all heard that. Um, but I actually, I really like your explanations of it because I'm like, actually, you know, harking back to what I said earlier, I'm like, that's kind of exactly what I want in a series that just does it, that kind of just looks at it and is like, oh, okay, and then moves on or like doesn't even mention it, but everyone's just like, yep, that's normal. That's that's kind mm -hmm. of a pretty good that's kind of a good example of um, what I was going at before. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, go for it, Isabel. What's your next bit? Yeah, my next bit. Yeah, that's a perfect segue into it. Um, the second one is I want to talk about the couple Wei Wuxian and Lan Zhan in the Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation. I've never I've and... never watched that or heard of it even. <laughs> oh yes, it is a. a Donghua, so it's a Chinese-based it, anime, and it's about cultivation, so it's kind of like a, has a historical element to it, but it's not based on any type of history. It's really just uh, Chinese fantasy, and I feel like a lot of people kind of stray away from it because most of the time is tagged with yaoi or kind of gay um, tags to it, but when you actually watch the show or get involved in it, I think the novel might be a little different, but at least the anime and the drama itself are more it's more it's more of a drama really. It's not really all the all about stuff. The, the cult yeah, yeah, more about the cultivation stuff than the relationship between the two. And I feel like the way that they portray the relationship between these two characters is very natural, even though it's set in a fantasy setting. 
where you know they have zombies and basically it's kind of a story between light magic versus dark magic and should you really be using forbidden magic uh, to you know cultivate your powers and become really strong across the continent but yeah Wei Wuxian and, and Lan Zhan are kind of two characters you would see in any any other type of uh, story tv show or you know what have you because Wei Wuxian is kind of like that goofy goofball character kind of like Najimi he makes friends with everybody he, he likes <laughs> everyone likes him flirts with girls and things like that and then Lan Zhan is kind of like the opposite so it's kind of like opposites attract because Lan Zhan is kind of the character who's grown up and he's always followed the rules it's it's obvious from how they dress as well because uh, Wei Wuxian is usually dressed in black um, except for the time that they were in school together because they all had to wear the same uniforms um, but yeah he's dressed in black kind of representing the dark side and then Lan Zhan is dressed in white so you know he's uh, Lan Zhan's more pure in an essence and he has this strong sense of justice you know things should be done this way you have to follow I think I forgot what it's called but they have this rule book of like commandments or something that you have to follow and of course Wei Wuxian just breaks all the rules and he doesn't care <laughs> um, he questions of things like <laughs> of course yeah in the middle of class you know he's asking teacher yeah why don't we use corpses as like puppets that we can use to fight there's nothing wrong with that um, ethical alert, ethical like, alert. He just ends the sentence with like a little smiley face. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you know, smirking. And he's, you know, he's smart, but he's also like, he's kind of, kind of going against everyone else because everyone else is like, no, man, this is not how it works and this, this is not what you should be doing. But yeah, unfortunately, he does go down that path. Um, he, be, you know, Grandmaster of Demonic Cultivation, that's what he becomes, basically. Um, he becomes that type of uh, patriarch who is able to control all these zombies um and it kind of freaks everyone out but yeah and then it happens they get into like a huge war over it and the timeline of this show is very confusing because it starts with his death so he dies after becoming that kind of grandmaster but then when he's resurrected he's not really resurrected because he takes over someone else's body so no one really recognizes him everyone thinks he's dead it's been 13 years he fell off a cliff um, because of course so, of course because that's i feel like that's also a way that like you know how we have like the truck kind of hitting a person this is like <laughs> yeah, the chinese mm -hmm. cultivation way <laughs> people revive after this many years um that is a very chinese thing actually yes it's <laughs> really funny mm -hmm. uh, but but lanjan is the only one to recognize him when he's in this different body uh... so it's just ni nice and sweet that they have built this relationship when they were like in school even though they were annoyed at each other um but they had to spend like detention time together and things like that you know Lan Zhan picks up on uh Wei Wuxian's type of like antics and things like drinking when Lan Zhan's like no you should not bring that in but he ends up keeping these little things throughout the years and he knows what the other person acts like uh so I think it's just a very sweet relationship between the two and even though it's not like they openly say hey I'm gay I, you know I Nanshan just straight up, you know, says like, you know, I love you, I like you. And even though Wei Wuxian is kind of put off by it at first, but they know like deep down that they love each other. So I just really like the relationship between two. It's really cute. Yeah, it's really nice to see them interact that way. And not only that, like there's a lot of other characters in the show, uh, which is why it's so complicated. There's like different clans going after different things. Um, and then they have a bunch of brothers and sisters as well. So you're learning about all those relationships. 
so I like the fact that, you know, they're very devoted to not only their own clan, but people they grew up with in that classroom and the connections that they made. Um, so, you know, everyone is accepting of it. There's no kind of like stigma about it. Uh, they're not afraid of anything other than the fact that, you know, somebody might go to the dark side. But overall, I feel like the relationship between the two is very cute. They kind of act like real, you know, friends and brothers throughout the series. So that's what I really like about the show. I'm really glad to hear you talk about the anime because I have heard, but I didn't know specifics of the anime actually doing a better job of the story and the couple than the actual source material. I heard that the source material does go into some questionable things that unfortunately tends to accompany yaoi genres, boys love genre in particular. Yeah. That Yeah, so, uh, but I have very much heard that the anime actually adapts it in a way that elevated and very much made their relationship better. So I can hear now based on what you're saying of it in real time that yes, the anime people made a really good choice in how they adapted the story. So yeah. That's awesome to hear at least that the anime fixed, I guess, or like adjusted, made, made those adjustments to it. Yes, very necessary adjustments, I think. And we got to give credit where credit's due in that regard. I also understand now why everyone is so into it. I have heard that Chinese uh, boys love has been particularly enticing to people in the pride community. And I didn't really know gotta why. Gotta get on top because... of that heaven's official blessing, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't really know why. And I now I understand it as you're describing it, Isabel, because people in China cannot write overtly explicit you know, gay materials because of the fact that uh, the communist government does not allow it and they can very much throw you in jail for it. And so they have to go through that coding, you know, that Jack had talked about and described in our queer baiting slash queer coding episode. And as a result, things feel a lot more emotionally intimate and a lot more, you know, just emotional development versus a lot of unfortunately other stuff in yaoi tags where it just becomes straight up physical and you don't really feel the emotions that comes in a relationship so i i get why now that people are saying um people seem to like to read chinese bl in that case compared to other like whether it's japanese um whether it's Japanese BL or other countries BL. So that does explain a lot of things. Do you uh, do you ever wish that they kissed? Because I don't think they're allowed to show that because it is still a Chinese anime. Or do you feel happy with what you have seen? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, yeah, I know that they're not supposed to do that. So it would be nice. It would kind of be like a nice touch to it. But honestly, they don't have to because... Once you watch it, you're so emotionally invested and it takes a long time to get there because of how they're portraying the story. Um, but, you know, you just feel the love, even though you don't really need that kiss. Like, you can probably just assume that they did. But <laughs> yeah, their interactions are what's important. And especially the drama, I would say, like, if you had to rate this from, like, uh, the, the novel to the uh, physical drama itself, it would be the drama kind of puts it as more like a bromance. So it's like a very, very strong bromance. But uh, yeah, overall, they, <laughs> I, I would be fine without it. It's totally fine. Mm -hmm. All righty then. 
Well, I think that wraps up our LGBTQIA episode. So uh, for everyone listening who does not get our episodes from our Twitter, um, our Girl Taku Twitter account, every uh, we're, we're trying to, every Pride Month, we're going to feature an anime character or a couple from, you know, from anime that is part of the Pride community. So basically Ooh. every single letter and more in the, in the LGBTQIA plus category. And we are going to try to do it every year. And I say try not because we want to stop, but because we refuse or mainly me because I'm the one heading the Twitter. But I refuse to show examples from bad faith representations or from stories with very problematic elements i.e. we've talked about it in the past with Yaoi and their tendency to turn stories of sexual assault into romance. You know, I'm not going to feature stories about that. And so because of that, I am also putting a plea out to the anime industry. Please give us more uh, characters within the Pride community because that will make it much easier for me to fill out a whole month without having to X out potentially 80% of an entire draw genre because of the bad stories that accompany with it. And if you guys are curious on to see like, you know, what we are spotlighting this month, um, you know, please feel free to hop onto our Girl Taku Twitter page. So with that being said, I think we will wrap up the episode now. So I hope you guys enjoyed it and I hope you will be here with us next time. Bye everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.